Welcome to Odwires More Than a Game, hosted by the Odwires Podcast Panel. You can get in touch with us through our email, podcast at odwiresga.com. In this episode, we're joined by former Dublin footballer and coach, Paul Clark. In our chat, Paul talks about his playing days from playing soccer to Gaelic football and finding lifelong friends from the GAA, looking back on his journey onto the inter-county scene as a player and a coach, the importance of preparation, delegating and practising for performances on the pitch, great advice for our coaches and young players, and the importance of club structures for holding on to players and everybody being important in the club. Hi Paul, listen, I'd like to welcome you to O'Dwyer's More the Game uh, podcast. Uh, we're delighted to have you on board. Um, it's, it's, it's an honour to have uh, an All-Ireland uh, winning medal uh, player on board here today. Uh, your knowledge as a player and as a uh, coach is going to be um, brilliant to all our coaches and players out in O'Dwyer's. Um, first of all, Paul, take us back to your uh, playing journey, where it all began. Where did GAA come into your life? I suppose there was there was no background in my family toward towards GAA, both on my dad and my my mom's side. The soccer was the way they were they were brought up. Um, my father played a bit of soccer as a kid, and then he 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 became a fireman at a very young age. So sport wasn't his thing. Uh, he was very committed to his job, and uh, served a great career forty two years Dublin Fire Brigade. On my mother's side. My mom like was playing tennis up to seventy five, so there was a, there was always a, a, she was always active and and uh, and still is. Um, her brothers would have played a bit of soccer, and her father, my grandfather, would have played with Bohemian soccer. So, you know, growing up in around the Santry area, um, I would have uh, I would have been for, forced brought into the sort of soccer environment. It would have been St Kevin's. Um, in Whitehall Park, that would have been the, the handiest place to go and handiest uh, handiest to be brought to. Um, and then I played a lot of soccer then at home farmer under age up to under under thirteen, and you know would have enjoyed it. I, I I would my father would say I'd be I would have been I would have been a better soccer player than I would have been a Gaelic player, in his mind. Um, but it was him also that. Also turned down a trial for Arsenal for me. Um, thought it wasn't a right time to be heading over to England because I was only 12 or 13. It would have been just a general trial, but he, he turned it down and t- late, told me that later on in life. Uh, luckily, uh, luckily I, was, I was playing with Dublin at that stage and I felt, well, look, this is where I am. And it's no loss to me now because I was involved with Dublin at that stage. Um, and then it was also him that, that I, I got dropped for a, um, a match um, one day. And he said, enough is enough. He says, you know, you may forget about this soccer and, and what, what we're doing there. And um, my, my best pal, and still is, f- 50 years later, um, was a guy called Mick Crowley, Michal Crowley. His father, Jim, played for Dublin in the 50s. And we sat beside each other in primary school. And in front and behind each other in secondary school. And I went into school on the Monday and said to Michal, you know, we were in St. Aidan's, you know, I think I might try this Gaelic lark, you know, and see what happens. So he said, look, there's a team in the school, sure, that, you know, to be trial starting or whatever bit of training. And Whitehall, Colin Kills is down the road. That's where he was playing from a young age. And he said, well, that's, that's where to go to as well. So, so it was really Michal put me straight and, and put me in the right place. And I then met um, a gentleman called Johnny Hanlon was in charge of the Whitehall under-14s and Larry Clare. And a few of my school classmates were on that team. So I started playing there under-14. And um, within two months, I was on the Dublin under-14 team. And we, we went and won a Leinster in, in Crow Park fairly quickly. So I, I was fortunate enough to get a, a good break at a good time and and um that never looked back since so you developed quite quickly into the GAA scene yeah look I suppose it was I um I like to be competitive you know and, and do the best that I can 
I was I enjoyed training. I know even the cycling to school, and I might go the long way home or the long way to school. You know, I, I just like training and and that side of things. And I always, as a as a kid, even starting in school, I always wanted to be a say a PE teacher. So I always had an interest in training, uh, staying fit. Um, you know, looking at different, even at different sports at that stage and having a go at anything really, you know. And like, like soon after that, like I, I was 16 and I ran a, the Dublin City Marathon. Like that's unheard of that, at that age, but no one stopped you. That's you know, you've got a pair of runners and you went running. So um, I just, enjoy, just enjoyed it. And my friends, my, my friends were there. Like I found new friends. And like I said, they're lifelong friends. Um, and uh, so that's Gaelic football. And then I met like the coaches in, in St. Aids. Rory Kinsler was one of our first teachers. And Rory's Wexford hurler and went on to he coached uh, Wexford soon after as well. Andy Shortall played into county football as well. He was one of our managers. Probably Brother Coffee in St. Aids was my biggest um, confident and uh, supporter and still is today. He's still going strong. Yeah, I, as you mentioned, uh, Brother MacDonald, I actually uh, worked under him as a player and he was well ahead of himself. Um, I remember in fourth year, I went to St. David's and he, he was the principal of the school and he had those doing things that teams are doing nowadays. He was such and so well ahead of himself. was was unbelievable. Yeah, I, t- I think, you know, you know, it's, it's uh, the things are changing. Like what, what we did those years ago, it is coming back into favor now it is it's coming back into into people's strain of thoughts and minds and how the game is being played and how you know there's different way of doing drills but the skills of the game are now most important and what we were doing back then the catching and the kicking was just bang let's do it time and time again because that 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 that's what we were good at we were very uh you know you had to be a good footballer to to make it into a into a minor squad you know and then to win an all Ireland. So, you know, what, what we were being coached back then, it was it was cutting edge in ways, you know. And so you won, won an All-Ireland in the 94 as the captain. When did yeah. you get the senior call-up? And, and what, it was, what was it like to be called up in the Dublin senior um, call-up? Well, we, we, had, we had played Dublin with Whitehall against uh, a Dublin, select, Dublin in 83 before Dublin went to the All-Ireland. And, I, I was 16, I was 17 at that stage, and I, I pl- played really well against Dublin. And, the, you know, it was real, uh, there was rumours. So we had a couple of good players, Michal Crowley, Conor Crowley, we were going to be playing minor anyway. And then there was a, an awful t- period of time in Dublin football. There was no under-21 team. So we, Dublin won a minor title in 82 with some phenomenal players, like a great minor team. They got knocked out in the first round of the championship in, in 83. We won the All-Ireland in 84. They got knocked out in the first round of the championship in 85. But if you were to combine the 82 and 84 team, it would, it would have been a great under-21 team. But there was no 21 team. The county board said, well, we can't, af- can't afford it or we can't find someone to manage it. So that was a big flaw around that time that that didn't happen because a lot of players could have just and probably did slip away from, from playing the game, you know, went back to play with a club football or whatever. And, and you know, maybe missed the opportunity of going in and playing senior football. So that was 84. And then in uh, after the All-Ireland in 85, I was called in in October of 85 into the senior panel by Kevin, by Kevin Heffernan. So I was very fortunate then to have met Kevin Heffernan, been coached by him. Uh, I was the last player he brought into it, into a, into a senior sort of senior setup, uh, such because only a couple of games into the National League of '85, we played Donegal the first game, and I play, I was picked at centre forward. And the story was Brendan Dunleavy was a very hardy centre half back for Donegal. He shook me hand before the game as you would do, and he actually said, "You have you go and have a great career." I couldn't again. I couldn't believe at that. I thought he was going to knock the block on me. But that's the way, again, Gail's rare then. He just said, have a great career. Um, and then I was taken off at half time, And I'm, Kevin said, you'd scored a point. You'd laid a couple of scores. Great job. I've seen, I've seen enough. Um, 
and I think he was ill for the next match. Uh, and then the game after that, he 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 uh, resigned, uh, retired from from coaching. So it was sort of Brian Mullins took over then. So <laughs> career changes. You talk about ups and downs. Those next two matches, I was actually linesman in National League matches. So I went from hero to zero. You go to the game, you never, there wasn't, there was a referee and then each team had to provide the linesman. So they turned to the subs and I was like, will you do linesman? How did you cope with that? With great, well, with shock. With shock, it was my first time to travel away in a bus. You know, we used to meet just off Mount Joy Square where the county board offices were. Where you know, and um, on the bus, and again with grown men, and they might have been having a smoke in the back of the boat. You know, this it was diff- different times, and uh, going on the train down, and fellas, we ducking and diving. You know, it was it was different. It wasn't earbuds and earpods and rave music. You know, it was the independent and elite twenty major, and these were still they were real men and proper footballers. You know, um, so the, I was asked. Actually, I was asked to do the, the game after, and I refused. I said, no, I'm not doing that. Because whatever chance I have of coming on a sub, I ain't coming on a sub from a linesman. Right, sub the linesman, put the linesman in, he's gone. So I knew that. To, to, to say, and I, I stuck up, I was quiet enough, but I said, no, I ain't doing that again. I ain't doing that again, you know. So so that, that was that was really it. Like, you know, I got into the panel then and pretty much stayed there. I, t- I had a bit of a break for about a year, around 88. And, uh, you know, I was only, I had only started in the Air Force in 86 and was finding it tricky to, to uh, get off time for work. I just found it, trying to get that balance very, very hard with shift work, training, and all that goes with it. I didn't know the tricks of the trade to get off work. And possibly as well, I played, we played in a, a championship match and I played at wing half back. It was a fourth game played in the bank holiday. And I was dropped for the next game. I might have got a liver about it. That might have something to do with it as well, you know. Bring us to the early nineties, like you, you, with Dublin set up. You, you actually had a great, great team and a lot of great matches and a lot of great battles against a lot of teams from uh, nineteen ninety right up to ninety four. And finally, you got the ultimate prize in nineteen ninety five. Talk a bit about that from nineteen ninety up to ninety five. Yeah, probably got a year before that. Until eighty nine, we had a brilliant team and we had a great chance to beat Cork in an all Ireland semi-final, you know. Um, and t- two penalties, uh, two penalties cost us the game. Um, my next door neighbour, John O'Leary, might not say they were two goalkeeping mistakes, but they were no, two penalties that were avoidable. Um, Keith Barr was teased by Dini Allen that day and got him, got him sent off. So that was experience of an opponent getting at one of the younger guys. And we were down to 14 men. Two penalties, um, and we lost that that day. And you know, I, I was, I was, re- I, I felt I was in a really good place football wise. I was enjoying my football. I was playing midfield. Um, we lost that day. I, I got man of the match, but it, it meant nothing because we'd lost because I wanted to get to this all Ireland final that you dreamt you dreamt of, you know. And a lot of the players around were still there from '83. Were still around there in the late '80s, going into the early '90s. So, you know, the early 90s, fellas started to drop off um, and the four in a row was, a, was, the, was the big thing then, you know, that came and, came and went and, you know, four games, you drew three, we lost one, we should have won the four of them. I think we had the four games, we're not always under control, but when it mattered, we had opportunities to, 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 to seize the day and, 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 and had chances to, Win the games. I had a chance in one of the matches to kick a win. Could, could have been the winning score. I missed, you know. Um, and then you know you went through that. People said maybe the team was was picked wrong. Uh, I I was I was filling in for Paul Corden in the All Ireland semi final and for the All Ireland final I was picked at right half back. Paul Corden, one of the best half backs ever to play the game, and probably the best number five ever to play for Dublin. I would I would. I would say there's a few contenders at the moment, but he, he was just a phenomenal player. And they left me at wing half back and put Paul at left corner back. So I was man marking James McCartan. He was man marking Mickey Linden. You know, you do your best you can. 
a couple of points exchanged and they got a, a, a lucky goal. Well, a goal, they got a goal, high ball was pumped in, bang, bang, goal. So we're a bit, you know, caught out here. But we, we, we got back into the game. I, I ended up going from right, right, right half back to left corner back. I went to mark Mickey Linden. And Courtney went out to his nat- more natural position. So the question was always was, was that a, was that a good move? Sh- should have Courtney started that right half back in the game and should have, you know, a, I don't know, whether it was a Kira Monster, a Dermot DC, or a, an orthodox cornerback played a cornerback. Um, to this day, we don't don't know whether that will be the case, but we had a penalty to, to, you know, to win that game, I think, or draw it, and we missed that game over. Um, another year gone, and then, yeah, ninety-five. Um, I don't, I don't know whether it was a moment during the, the national league or a moment in summer before championship. That's we just said, look, let's let's do this, let's go for it. You know, we had had a holiday as a team in ninety-four. We went to America, and it was being mentioned, look, let's a group will start training together when we're here. And we give this a go in ninety-five. So, yeah, it, wor- it worked out in the end. You know, luckily, did we deserve it? You know, we were there knocking on the door for a long, long time. A lot of great teams came at us and, and bet us. We were always there, you know. So, you know, to get, to get over the line was you'd ever, forever grateful for doing that, you know. Thanks on that, Paul. Paul, in terms of uh, going from playing then to coaching, where, where where did the coaching journey start for you? I, I, uh, I, I, one or two clubs had said, "Will you come in and do a bit of training with us?" You know, um, I'd actually done a bit of coaching in Ballybuckle in the early nineties. I'd done a little bit of coaching with with um, Trinity Gales between school and then starting in the airport. I, I'd done a, um, a PE course. At the time, it was ankle, FOSS, and so on. So it was leisure centre management. So it was all strength and conditioning, you know, physical fitness, aerobics, all that type of thing. So I, I, I had that, um, how would I say, I always wanted to be a PE teacher. That was still in the background for me. So I always had a bit of a knowledge and a bit of grow for it. Um, so when asked to train a team, I, I knew I could get teams physically fit and push them hard. Um, I knew I could do that and then obviously there may have been a man. I was a coach rather than a manager so then you work alongside the manager and you learn from maybe the club manager and, and see see what comes from there so that that was fine for me and then there was a Whitehall had a great a great guy a Kerry man Liam O'Connor was his name and he he was managing Whitehall at the time and you know we we were hanging in there you know we had a, we from our minor days, we won minor a minor club in in eighty four. We won a centenary minor club all Ireland in in Galway, so we were all Ireland club champions at minor. Uh, we won three under twenty one A championships straight after that, and they were league and championship. So look, we were unbeaten for four years. So when when this group then was becoming se- senior footballers. The big talk was Whitehall of the team to beat, and we we um, remember we played Kula in the senior championship, and Kula had the Mick Holdens, the Vinnie Holdens, um, Conor Callan's dad, dad Mossy Callan. You know they had serious footballers, they had serious hurlers, they had men. Before the ball was thrown in, there was four of our players on the ground. Boom, good luck, and. And that was a lesson we learned that day. Uh, we, we went and played Sylvester's in a, in a, in a championship semi-final. Um, I'd been sent off in the previous round, possibly lost, possibly lost at the game, not been there. And another lad, Connor Keegan, we'd be lack of discipline on the day. Um, so we had a couple of chances. So anyway, when Liam, Liam O'Connor uh, finished up, uh, Whitehall didn't have a, a manager, so I took over as player manager. So that would have been around uh, 97, I would say, 97. So for se- seven years, I was player manager for, for the senior footballers. 
cut as Anto said, I got the lawnmower, I'd cut the grass and I'd put the fertilizer down, I'd fill in the rabbit holes, I'd make the pitch as best as I could for the team, you know, and Dave Billings, Dave Billings called into the pitch one day. He said, I thought, I thought I'd seen you. This is the the power. And he says, Jesus, fair play. I said, look, I, I like doing it. And it's for the players. It's, it's the, the, for, I want them to walk out and look at this pitch and think this is the field of dreams. And oh, I want to play it here, you know, because I'm going to give them this feel in the, in the dressing room. And then I want them to, to feel it when they come onto the pitch. And as a result of that meeting with Dave Billings, he asked me to get involved with, with Pillar Caffrey then, you know? Yeah. So again, I'd maybe served a bit of an apprenticeship. He could see my love for, for the game and, and, and attention to detail coming into it. Um, he knew my background and the, the physical fitness side of things. So, so that's how the, then the progress from club management, player manager straight into him with Pillar then. Again, I wasn't expecting that. It was, I was still in me. I was still 38 or so, you know, so it was a young age to be getting involved at that stage. And, and how did you, what was, I suppose, maybe even the highlights, Paul, of, the, of that experience in with Dublin at that stage? Um, you know, what, what was it for you? What did you really, really um, come back? I, sp- I suppose it was, you know, Pillar had been with, with, with Tommy Lyons and he'd had suffered some bad defeats and he, he had felt bad. He had felt bad for Tommy. You know, not not for himself, but Tommy had been treated poorly, um, maybe maybe by a certain section of his supporters, the smaller of the supporters, um, and and he wanted to to achieve achieve something for Tommy. You know, Tommy had trusted him to be his confidant and assistant, and now Pillar was taken over, and he wanted to start to push on and and do it still with Tommy in in mind. You know, um. And then, you know, Pillar had his own ideas. He's a past player, uh, you know, and, and given a lot to his club, Nafina. He um, was fortunate enough then Brian Talty, who had given a lot to Dublin football, obviously given a lot to Galway football and GA in, in total, but he'd given a lot then to, with Parnells and, and he knew his, he really knew his stuff and his knowledge. Dave Billings was just a mind. Like, it was phenomenal what that guy could do in his head. On the sideline, picking a team to, to to draw on who's marking who to if we were playing in opposition. Well, that fella there played colleges football two weeks ago, or that guy there was minor in you know 2003. He's 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 been out injured with a broken leg for the last two years. Like he, he just knew everything. So you had Davy, and then you had Ski Wade from Vincent's again, someone that that Pillar knew. He'd achieved a lot at minor level. He'd achieved a lot with his club in Dublin and outside of Dublin coaching and just had an unbelievable passion for football, an unbelievable passion for tackling, defending and blocking. And like, geez, if you have a passion for that, you want you want him in your corner, you know? <laughs> um, and then Kieran Duff, Dully was in with us and uh, with a great backroom team, great kid men. Um, so it was that was a great friendship. That was a great bond of people and great friends. I nearly made more friends in that group close friends than I did any other time in my football career, you know. Um, and we were unlucky. Again, we came up against great teams on, on, on big days that played played phenomenally well against us, a Kerry and a Tyrone, and we got pasted, you know. So, so you know, that was, a, that was a great experience. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of Paul, just even that time, the, the mill on the hill back in 2006, just your memories of, of that day and, and maybe looking at yeah, it again. Yeah, the, that day, um, Mayo, we, we um, you know, you have your routine as a coach, you know, you have your pre-match routine, what you do in your team meetings, what you do in the dressing room, what you do when you go out on the pitch, you know, and it's all in detail. So uh, my thing was just to have, with last few, Pillar would have his last few words in the dressing room. And when we go on the pitch, I'd put the balls in a certain place. And, you know, our, our thought was, like we're together as a team on the pitch, but we want that we we have we know our, we have the the hill and the supporters have our back, and it was something that not, not all the players liked it, not all the players agreed with it, but all the players said they would, you know, go with it in the games that we would walk to the hill. So Mayo obviously had decided. Manager said it was nothing to do with him. That was one or two of the players decided well, we're going to go here, and and as I was leaving the dressing room with the balls, I heard a roar. And I went back in, I said to Pillar, 
these have gone to the these have gone to the hill. And I didn't have to go out. And when I went, and Pillar said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to go to where I'm supposed to go to. So I went out and I headed straight across with the bag of balls. Now, I made a mistake. I emptied the balls. I should have left them in the bag, let the lads get the photograph and walk to the hill. I opened the balls and Mayo players came from everywhere. And everybody went booting balls. And I went booting balls. It was a mistake. I won't do it again. And, that, and then, obviously, our team came out. Same, they'd been told what it was. We're going to the hill. That's simple as. And look, there was shouldering, there was pushing, there was punching, there was digging, there was management involved, all crazy, silly, funny, quirky, unforgetful stuff. Um, and, you know, people say, oh, that, that doomed us that day. But didn't we? We were flying. We were six, seven, eight, I don't know how many points ahead and in control of the game. Yeah. And it was our own fault then that, that we lost it. It wasn't because, uh, you know, you went to the hill and you shouldn't have gone to the hill. It was our own fault we lost that day, you know? Yeah, yeah. And in terms of them, Paul, obviously, we, we you know, fin- finished up that time with Pillar um, and then Jim asked you in to do a little bit in terms of with our, with, with our Bourne Cup teams and all of a sudden then you're back into the into into the Dublin setup with Jim Gavin. Um, how, how, how was that experience for you? And, and I suppose even just the differences and how things have changed even in that space of time. Oh my God, like, like chalk and chalk and cheese. But in saying that, um, like w- w- with Pillar and, and the, the the type of coaches that we were and the people we were, the backgrounds that we had, um, we we had we had some really strong ideas on what 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 Dublin needed. We were tr- we at that stage we had got we were working with Niall Mine in DCU, and we had a guy from DCU. We asked Niall, would you give us someone like a, a strength and conditioning coach, someone S and C, and he gave us a guy called Dan Tobin. He was only out of DCU a wet week, you know, and he was. I think he still could have been a teenager. He could have been 20 or 21, maybe. And Daniel was brilliant. He brought in, you know, structural uh, programs of, of weights. And we, we, like, we went hard at it. Well, the boys went hard at it, training hard, and got in phenomenal shape, you know. Um, and, you know, the, 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 thing, the thing with DCU was, was a great bond. It was a great friendship, and it was a great link, which still... You know, it's still there with, with the county board and the senior football team. Um, but, you know, you could see the ideas that we had, but we didn't have the, the brains. We had the brain, we didn't have the brains to back it up. How are we going to get? We wanted Daniel as a county board SNC coach. So we can't have 20 or 30 grand to pay a young flip. He said, but no, it's not just for us. It's for, it's for everybody. And, you know, we wanted to do a deal with Under Armour. You know, the players getting under armor gear and it'd be nice to pick up, you know, boots or something like that. And we were, I was picking up boots for players in the middle of a Saturday afternoon and a match the following day, you know, because there wasn't a, like a deal done with, with boot suppliers. But when Pat Gilroy came in, he had that business acumen, he had that business brain to set up all these things. So all the things that we would have liked to do, we couldn't do. But Pat had a template for that. And he was able to say, look, this is what I need. This is what I want. And, and maybe his business connections were able to help him uh, get those things across the line to provide for the players, because that's what it was all about. It was all about getting the players the best of treatment, the best of gear, the best of facilities, the best of knowledge, the best of experience. It was all about getting the players the best, facilitating them. And Pat was able, was, was able to do that. And then he, that was there, that was in place. The county board had that in place. John Costello understood it. You know, then the, you know, then the structure at underage with, with, with Shocko, Stephen Shocko, see, you know, then Dublin started bringing in, you know, Kieran Wheel and Darren Holman, Coleman Goggins, all ex-players who had, had seen what, what they'd seen it was like as a player, but they understood what, what a coach was trying to do. That started to stream into the underage system. They picked great players with, with great heart and great experience, great love for Dublin to take these underage teams. And then when Pat stepped aside and you had Jim Gavin coming in with his attention to detail, that is second to none. There will be no one, there's no, there was never anyone like him and there will never anyone like him again. His attention to detail on top of what foundations were there 
or foundations were coming through with the underage system. And he'd been involved, you know, with Desi and Jim Gavin and all these guys, Jason, had all helped out underage. So they had seen the players coming through as well. So I think the foundations had been built in the 90s, fruition during the 2000s. And, and now it's, you know, it's as good as, it's, it's as good as I think it's going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- this journey will end for Dublin sometime. And, and you know, players will move on. I don't know when it'll ever come like this again, or it probably won't, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Paul, could you give, give, give maybe some of the coaches that are listening uh, an idea when you say about Jim Gavin and his attention to detail, just even some examples of that? Yeah, well, Jim would, would, Jim would set aside hours of a day to, to analyse, not alone our opposition, you know, looking at an opposition, how they play. Like, you know yourself, nowadays with TV, there's cameras everywhere. But you watch and you analyse your opposition. You analyse your own team. You, you show how you can improve. You analyse the opposition, how you, you can stop them playing the type of game that they want to play. Um, you then video, you may video our training sessions. So you watch your training session and see how that can improve. Um, but not everybody has that, that type of firepower as such to do it. But, but he would, you know, he would, he's w- would well able to delegate the jobs that had to be done around the pitch. Uh, he would know what he wants from a training session. It would be talked up for, for you know, the session previous with, with Declan and Jason. Um, he would bring a goalkeeping coach in as well to say, listen, what do we need to work on? Or we need our goalkeepers for certain drills. So everybody knew in advance what they were going to be doing. Um, and then the coaches, was Jim was watching all that was going on, the coaches would take the session and, and everything to a detail was practiced, that was talked about, because that was required for the performance of the team to beat the opposition in front of us. So no one, one team was the same. So different things would have been worked on. So Jim, in his work life as a pilot, everything is about making sure everything is in the right place so I can take off and everything's in the right place so I can land. So for Jim, everything had to be in the right place to perform and to win. Simple as. Paul, you've been involved with so many teams over the years. What impact have coaches had on you as a player and as a coach? Every coach you've played under, um, whether you liked them or not, you, you've learned. You've learned uh, good things and you've learned bad things. And you, you never stop learning. Like Even though I'm not coaching now, and I go down and watch my four-year-old son, I'm learning from the coaches. Like I'm saying, how how does that coach do that drill? How did he? What? Where did he figure that one out? That's brilliant. I, you know, if I was coaching again, I could put that into my repertoire. You know, I could use something like that. So every coach you learn from, um, and the thing about like the structure, say of of um, an inter-county team, there are probably two or three selectors. You might have your manager and two or three selectors. The chances are of you getting on with the four of them are highly unlikely. Like with, say, the 95 crew, we had Pat O'Neill, we had, uh, Jim Brogan, Fran Ryder, Bobby Doyle, four different characters. They were all from the 70s and played for Dublin in the 70s and whatever. But they were four different characters. I, I didn't always see eye to eye with them. But I always had one that I had a, com- you know, a shoulder to cry on. or I had his confidence and he had mine. So... You know, I just needed to get on with one to, to understand what was going on. But if I didn't, I didn't. I, I was fighting for my place to play and then be told where I was playing and what was expected of me, you know. So I think maybe that had stemmed from my, my college's football, football in Whitehall. It was very simple. You, you worked hard. You were, in a, you were in a great group and you're, you felt that you were very fortunate to be out playing. You know, the day that I... And I don't know when it was. It just happened at my last game of Gaelic football for my club. It, it's gone. I don't know when it was because I, I didn't know that was going to be my last one because I thought I was going to have another one. So again, maybe from the coaches that you had, and a lot of them unfortunately have passed away. One of the nicest coaches, nicest coaches I played under was Jimmy Kavner. And God rest him, Jimmy's passed away a long time now, but 
Jimmy passed away on the sideline. I'll never forget it. We were playing uh, a championship final against Kilmacud Crokes in Parnell Park. And we were favourites going into the game. And uh, Jimmy dropped down with a heart attack on the sideline. And the game was abandoned. And we were distraught. And I was captain and I went with my father to the hospital to see you know, what was happening. And Jimmy passed away. So then I had to tell the players, like, this, this has happened back in the club. And, oh, it was, you know, we were just distraught. Like, Jimmy was an unbelievable man and a character. But somewhere inside of this weird world and weird mind we had, our people said to us, you know, Jimmy took one for the team that day. Like, we were, we were getting pasted. And the game was refixed. I swear to you, laugh. The game was refixed. Now, this is Kilmacud Crokes. We're White Hall. No M50, no motorways. Game is refixed. Rush. <laughs> and we said, <laughs> and we bet the living daylights out of them out there. You know, but it, it's that, that was a part of my psyche. You know, this is what, and it was terrible to say, he, take, he took one for the, to be said, Jimmy took one for the team. We ain't letting them down. And we won that, you know. But it, it's, uh, I suppose something I, I was brought home after one of the National League journeys. I was a, I was a, a, a linesman and Larkin Redmond, a St. Margaret's man, a great, great character said to me, his lines were, never be happy or satisfied being a sub. You know, that's all I'll say to you, you know, and that, that again, that was something that, you know, would, would uh, resonate with me during my playing times, you know. Um, and I suppose then, the, like I said, the coaches that I've had have been very, very lucky. Um, all of them in just fantastic people, great men, um, great people. If I seen them walking down the road, I, I cross the road to shake their hand and say hello to them. And, you know, whether whether it be Pat O'Neill, who I now call the boss, without him, I, I wouldn't have an all or a medal. You know, that's simple as, nor any of the selectors or any of the players, you know. Paul, um, I read a few articles on a few players that uh, you've coached uh, in Dublin setups. And one, uh, Michael Darren McCall, he's a brilliant article about yourself. And, and, and he put in how such a good coach you are, but not only that, how such a good friend you are to the players and how much of a good human being you are to them. And with that in mind, what do you see as a good coach? I suppose, you know, look, if you're getting... If you're giving up your time to be a coach, you know, and playing as play as long as you can, play, play, play football as long as you can, and if you can avoid coaching, maybe that's the right way to do it. Um, but play as long as you can. If if you have that love or an interest in coaching, you you nearly you have to have a love and an interest in the people that are playing. You know, I like I I I love watching from the sideline. I love going around and lads are warming up and how they're moving. I, 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 would, I would watch and see if a fella's changed his boots. Why, why is he wearing different? I, I see you got new boots and someone has said, oh, well, I was getting blisters or something like that. I mean, you got bigger boots. No, I got the same size. So why'd you do that? Why, that's, you know, so small little details. Why did you take your gloves off during the game? And then you, you drop the next ball, you put them back on. Like what was going through your mind? You know, so I, I, I love people watching and um, trying to figure guys out and, and then prompt them that if they're having a bad run of form or they're not playing particularly well, if they don't seem to be themselves, to prompt them into, into asking, them, asking them themselves, ask them the question, why, why am I not playing well? And getting them to have the answer. So trying to prompt them into it. So... In so in some ways, you know, in a management group of, of that I that I work, that I worked under, with say with Jim and, and Jason and, and Declan, I, I took a different line to them, a slightly different line. Like the time and effort and commitment that they put into that was phenomenal. I I could never match it. I could never match it. They'd been doing it for years. They they had a knowledge of computer systems, um, the cameras, um the detail, what was required. I, I could never match that. 
but I wasn't going to be there to be a bit part player. I wanted to bring something to it. So if I could go onto the pitch, leave the meeting and go on the pitch for 10 minutes, I could learn in 10 minutes enough for me about the players to, to, to feed that back into the management group or go to the player and find out what, what the problem was and try and find a solution for him. So, you know, not all the times myself and Michael Darrell didn't always get on and see eye to eye, you know. Um, but, but I enjoyed, like, who wouldn't enjoy being in a company that is phenomenal people, phenomenal people. Like, I, I was blessed, any of us are blessed to be in that company. Um, so, so to be able to help in some way, to, to, be, to be an ear, to be a shoulder to cry on. And a lot of them, not everybody would, talk, would ask me the same questions. That again, as I said, when I was a player, I knew I, I had someone in that group. I just wanted to be there for somebody as well, you know. You're just saying like coaching literally isn't just about coaching out in the field, drills on it's about a coach in, in life, really, as well. You're you're putting a pathway for this. Yeah, you you have you have to be watching. You ha- you have to be watching. Like if if someone if somebody has a little quirky little mannerism, see it understand it and then when he doesn't do it you want to know and then it might perform well you want to know why did you change your why did you change your routine and your free kick there you changed it or a keeper rushes it so you, you need to know that the small little details about the player you know and that's down to the coach to watch him during training how how he behaves before training even starts in other words oh jays lads don't no headies and volleys but like you could be learning something from them in that time as you're watching as a coach. So like ha- having, and you'd know me, I love preparing and having everything ready. So when a player comes up, and the, the drill is set up and the session is set up, then I can go around and, and get to talk to every not, not, not everybody. We need to talk to three guys one night and three guys another night. But you get, get to speak to them because you're prepared. The session is ready to go and you go, go, let's go, lads. So you do need to put a bit of time into your preparation, knowing how the session is going to go, and then give yourself five minutes before the session or at the end of the session to go to one or two players and say, how was things? How was, how was school? How was, did you have much homework? Or if it's something older, how was work going? How was college going? How was the girlfriend? What's the story? You know, so to have that little bit of interaction, kind of like I say, mind your own business. Grand, no problem. That's fine. But I'll find something else that you and I can relate to, you know. So don't you worry about it. I'll come back to you with another question. But you, 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 you will do that, you know. So it's important. Too many coaches, well, I'm going to hone in on this group. And that may be a great thing. And that group could be spoiled rotten. But these other players on the outside feel, they feel a little bit out of it, you know. And these people on the outside could be as important as the one on the inside. You know, so you, you need to have that little bit, of, you need to have a little bit of interaction or a bit of a link with every one of your players. Paul, in terms of, um, I suppose, again, you've, you've touched on, you know, it's an unbelievable time to be involved in Dublin GAA and to be a Dublin GAA fan supporter. Um, what advice would you give to young kids who are, you know, in O'Dwyer's now or in Whitehall or any, any, any club around Dublin um, and are looking to get to the, to the next stage in terms of their footballing? Well, see, I, I suppose there's a number of things now, like, if you're if it's if it's football at that club level, like you know, dream and hope to play at the highest level you can. You know, some people can dream and and, and be better to, to get to the highest level. Um, if your highest level is the A team in your club, that's brilliant. Go and enjoy it and play to that level. If it's the B team, keep trying and keep working hard. That's the level you get to. So, so. Say to them, like, you've no regrets. There is another stage you can go up if you want to give it that little bit more. Um, but they shouldn't rest on their laurels. Ah, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy where I am. Like, it, 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 no one should actually say that, you know. You should still have, still, even if it's, if it's F level, Division F, 14, F, or whatever it is, you know, still drive and, 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 and aspire to get that little bit better, you know. Get better with your skills, get better with your fitness, get better with your understanding of, of the game. You know, I think I think too often nowadays, and you know, in different clubs, you're talking to people, ah, oh, 
Jeez, the lads I can't get them out of the gym. They're forever in the gym. They're, they're in unbelievable shape. I said, well, the gym doesn't, it doesn't really help you get it over the bar. You know, there is, there is a time for your strength and conditioning work, but it has to be very specific to the game that you're playing and specific also to um, the style of play. It's specific to the type of player you are in a position you're in. And it's specific if you happen to be picking up certain injuries. So you've got to be very careful, both as a player and as a coach, what you're demanding of your players. You know you know yourself, guys, coaching players, you'll have a fella who does exactly what you tell him. You do exactly what you tell him on the pitch. You do exactly what you tell him off the pitch. You will have a guy who does exactly the opposite to you and will break your heart and the whole lot. And probably the worst of the lot is the one that does what you tell him and more. Yeah. Because if you believe it or not, I believe the fella that does that more is more at risk to you than anything else. He's more at risk to burnout. He's more at risk to injury. And the chances are, if, if he's doing more, he possibly is at maybe the higher end of your squad and he's doing a bit more and you're going to lose out someone important, you know? So it's to control the guys, to try them all, have them all on the same, same hymn sheet that they're getting the best out of them and to know that what they're doing, is the guidance that you're giving them is the right guidance for them. And if they want to do a little bit extra, if they have a bit of steam to blow off or a bit of energy to blow off, you as a coach need to know what the best thing is for them, whether it's to tell them to go to bike row ski and do an hour 45-minute session or, look, I know a fella in a boxing club, go into him for half an hour and half a bit of steam, or I'll give you 40 footballs and go and kick 40 balls, or get your bike out of the shed and go off and do a 10 case. So you're still in control as a coach as to where you're, where they are going because they are part of your setup. So it's important as a coach that you that you, you know that. Um, and then it's important for the players to understand you can do too much. Uh, and that's where the, the highest risk is. Brilliant, brilliant. And I think, Paul, that ties in as well with, you know, what, what the point you were making previously with Anto there about the importance of connecting with your players and knowing exactly what they're doing, knowing a little bit about them as well. You know, and, and you won't figure that out unless you have that rapport built up. Like, and you, you may like it may be one of like one of your one of the, your best ways of it is your physio, because amazing what physio's like is like a fella going into the psychiatrist's office and you lie down on the bench, he spills it all out, and he a fella might let it slip, and like a fella lets something slip, do you know? Oh, I, I knew what you were out in the garden because that doesn't achieve anything. Like, the the truth will always come out, you know, and. Uh, Balbriggan is a small place North County Dublin is a small place Dublin is a small place Fran Ryder always says to us lads Dublin's a small place and if you're out if you're into mangoes we'll hear about it you know so we told them we're going to mangoes tonight. so if you hear about it you're, it's true because we will be there um, but you know you, you don't have to be probing and looking all the time Inform stuff will come to you and how you use it is very, very important. It's not about, oh, I fucking knew it. I, I have them now. I have them. I'm going to get them. That's not going to achieve you nothing. You use it in a proper manner to, to get, to, get to, to, to change, say, the problem or, or to correct the problem. But you don't go, oh, I knew it. I, I knew I'd find out at one stage. That, that achieves nothing. Well, that's great. That's great advice there. And um, what advice would you have for the club for player retention for holding on to players after minor level or after, I suppose maybe fourteen, sixteen, as they're moving up? So as we all know that there that there is that little bit of a drop off around that age. But what advice would you give from your wealth of experience in, in coaching on different levels? Yeah, I, like I, I think I think what's important is that 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 the club. The club uh, show that there is a, a, a really organised, managed structure there. That there is somewhere for your skills. There's somewhere for your level of talent. There is somewhere there for if you're a, 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 you just want to be a social footballer. But there is a structure there. You know, you don't want everybody going. Oh, well, this is the A team, and they should get all the attention. You know. Every player should, as I said to you, should know where the strengths lie, should know the standard of football he can get. And, and if it is that, that level there, 
competition. It's not your A team, but that's as good as you're going to get. That is, that is brilliant, you know. And and you should make that footballer or that team as important as your A team, because it 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 then keeps that centrifugal force of everybody in it together, everybody in the club interested in it, and then then it just comes into that central strength point where where it it is the club, you know. So. It's like that centrifugal force. As it goes, it just gathers momentum and it keeps it going, you know. So, like, you, you know, sure, if someone is successful or you want to win the fail of this year, everybody talks about it. Everybody talks about it. Every coach, parent and manager talk about it. But are, we, are you drilling it too much into the player's head? And while you're talking about that fail of team, what's happening to the, to the rest? So where this failed player might decide to go off and play somewhere else or get a scholarship in Australia, and now you're asking Mickey, who was out to be on the B team, but you haven't given him any attention for the last number of years, he's going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm happy here. Oh, but I need you up with it. Ah, no, you're grand. Yeah, so it really goes it go it really goes back to I suppose what you said earlier on that kind of club is family that it's it's all related back to to earlier on what what Anthony was saying there. Okay, Paul, listen, um, that, that was actually brilliant. A great insight into your playing career and your coaching career. And so a lot of the players from O'Dwyer's will take an awful lot of out of that, and the coaches will too. So from O'Dwyer's um, Modern Game podcast, we really like to thank you for coming on and giving your time up. It's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, thanks, Paul. No problem. No, thank you. Thank you, lads. And the very best of luck on all you do. If I can do anything again, I'm only a phone call away or I could be on to you looking for a bit of advice so always learning never stop thanks for joining us on this episode remember to subscribe and you can get in contact with us through our email thanks for joining us on this episode remember to subscribe and you can get in contact with us through our email